welcome. This is Sarah Hans, recording from Davos, where I'm meeting a series of amazing and inspiring women uh, as part of this uh, Marie Claire Start Somewhere podcast series. And I'm delighted to uh, welcome the very amazing Julia Jackson, who is um, CEO and founder of Grounded.org, uh, which specializes looking at climate change solutions. So it's just wonderful to meet you. And thank you for fitting us into your schedule. Um, and I really want to know, how did you get started on this? I mean, you know, like saving the world is, is you know, is, 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 is a very big deal. So tell, tell us a little bit about kind of, you know, where you got started, you know, was, you know, when did your epiphany come? Were you sure. kind of, were you, were you like a born activist stage seven kind of, you know, kind of. the fuck I'm an animal lover from California. Um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. And I really love this platform you're creating for women to really get behind purpose-driven initiatives. So thank you so much. Um, so I come from a family wine business, Jackson Family Wines. I'm a second-generation proprietor. So I grew up in an agricultural business, and our crop was super is super dependent on um, climate, stable climate, and the soil. So um, the natural world is really is has always been a huge part of my life. And um, I went to university. I actually studied gender studies and studio art, so not environmental <laughs> studies at, at Scripps College yeah. in Claremont, um, which is an amazing all-women's liberal arts college with some of my best friends still existing as best friends today um, and I remember my friend at the time she was doing an environmental studies Stephanie Simon handed me a book so it all started with a book called Eating Animals by Jonathan Zappin Foer and it's interesting how one book can really put you on a completely different life path and I, I love to read so I always encourage everyone to read more just read um, anything that's really inspiring that inspires that passion that grit for me it's the environmental movement um so anyway she handed me this book and i decided i'm going to become a vegan for like the rest of my life because it was so interesting and also alarming to read about the food industry in the u.s um he did a really great job of showcasing that so the vegan in me did not last i have to be honest um, um, but yeah. I'd say that I'm very conscious of what I consume, and I yes. want to make sure that the meat is being humanely raised. Um, and I try and eat mostly plant-based because it's just better for the environment. Yes. Um, but that one book really inspired me, and I became very interested in the environment. Then my father died of cancer. Um, so I found this link between carcinogens, yes. what we consume, and how we treat our environment. Wow. There are so many environmental toxins that we're bombarded with. So that sort of correlation between our internal health um, and our environmental health is so symbiotic. So I started really diving deeper into that intersection between health and, and climate. So I 
simultaneously I was working in my family business in the wine business um, so I worked there for eight years and then the wildfires hit our community oh my in goodness of course and I saw those I remember I'll never forget seeing those I I, I flew out of, of um, I think it was LA and the, I, I mean it was just heartbreaking like I, the whole coast was on fire I mean it was just yeah. a cool yeah we had to evacuate our family ranch it was nine billion dollars worth of damage oh and my you ask about that aha epiphany moment already as um, a philanthropist and even like um a slight environmental activist. I'd already consciously decided as a philanthropist I only wanted to donate to environmental causes because yes. you can't spread yourself too thin. So yes. there, to me there's nothing more important than what sustains life on Earth and like, our survival as a species and that's our planet. So I'd already been supporting some amazing organizations like Earth Justice, um, um, the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation. Yes. Um, there are so many of them that I really love and some grassroots indigenous efforts to conserve the animals. Amazon and then that fire hit and I felt like I just wasn't doing enough in the wine industry I just felt like this is such a massive 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 tidal wave coming at us and we're trying to bail our way out of this with a paper cup like there aren't enough um, solutions being implemented fast fast enough um, so I was learning more and more I became a student because I like to read up, and, 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 and just tell me you know nine billion dollars of of, of damage. I mean, this is obviously your family business, so this is the connection with your dad as well. But, but I mean, what was left? I mean, was the was I mean, you know. so it actually it was it wasn't our family business. Yes, um, it was um, it wasn't our family business, but it was super impacted luckily. Yeah. But the community yes. accounted for nine billion dollars worth of damage. So well, luckily, um, our properties were okay, but yes. many of our neighbors. Lost fellow community members. So there were so many amazing organizations really doing a great job to rebuild the communities. Yes. Um, but I really, there's something, just an epiphany, I guess you could say, hit me. And I'm like, how can we really systemically address the root cause of these increased fires? Yes. And that is to look at the climate crisis as a whole. Yes. And we can't just talk about it, we must scale solutions. So yes. I had this epiphany um, <laughs> yes. and the statistics that really, really surprised me and was a wake-up call for me, and I learned it from the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation, was that less than 3% of all philanthropic giving worldwide goes to the environment. You're kidding me. 3%? Less than 3%. That's absolutely shocking. Yes. And uh, the interesting thing, too, is um, there's a similar statistic for uh, women's initiatives. So... So if you're a women's initiative in the environment, you're you're really, I mean, that's not so we, it's, wow. It's just not. This crisis is so large; it requires all hands on deck. So what I found and learned as an outsider from the wine industry, I decided to take a sabbatical from my family business yes. and really dive deep into um, climate solutions specifically, because I had been to many environmental summits and and I felt like there are a lot of corporate leaders and policymakers just patting them. So back, you know, we're heading off the cliff. It's like, what solutions exist out there today yes. that we can get behind and support? So I read another book, Drawdown by Paul Hawkins. 
Yeah. Um, Amazing book. Oh, you've read it? Yes. Oh, great. Yeah. Um, he's absolutely amazing, has become a close friend, and I've just recently joined his board for Regeneration. Wow. Solutions-based organization. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, um, Sorry that she's talking about one of my all-time, <laughs> all-time heroes. Yes. Wow. Yeah, and he'll actually amazing. be speaking at my summit. How incredible. He, he's an amazing guy. Um, so I, I, um, I know there were a lot of amazing people um, behind that book. Um, Catherine Wilkinson. There's so, so many people put so much into that book. So that book was life-changing for me. And I say that one book um, even more profoundly than eating animals set off this grit and fire in me. Um, there are solutions out there. This book, for those of you that don't know what this book is, that we both read, is 100 Solutions to the Climate Crisis. Yes, yeah, so that, that's 100 Solutions to the Climate Crisis. So everyone get a copy of that one. Yes, it's a more optimistic, proactive way that we can really um, stabilize global temperatures if we implement these solutions. Um, so anyways, I read that book, a friend of Paul Hawkins, and then had this crazy idea to do a summit and gather all these climate solutions with policymakers, with funders, and with some influencers, and get solutions out to the public. So um, I founded Grounded.org two years ago, and an amazing team. I feel like they keep me grounded and um, really were focused on just being a conduit and a catalyst for change and implementing these solutions and accelerating the already existing um, movement and efforts of climate solutions because there have been a lot of amazing individuals and organizations at this for a really long time but the, the, first of all less than three percent of all philanthropic giving goes to the environment and the, these ngos are all fighting for the same slice of such a tiny tiny pie we need to scale that pie massively and uh, and we need to de-silo efforts and, and build community around solutions so that was my vision for grounded and um, within 10 minutes we created a summit and Paul Hawken actually opened the summit with Governor Brown, um, former governor of California. And then we featured solutions. We gave solutions the main stage um, versus just corporations and policymakers. And we featured solutions to buying permafrost, to restoring Arctic ice, um, plastic alternatives with like algae. Amazing, yes. Um, Everyone knows I'm a plastic free activist. Oh, yes. Great. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Very much so, yeah. Thank you. For that. Um, we featured Na National Geographic and their new Earth Pulse technology. We featured Justin Winters, who um, founded One Earth and was the former executive director of um, the Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation. And um, Leonardo DiCaprio Foundation, before they merged with Green Jobs, um, they helped partner with us on the summit. So I was really honored to have their support. Yeah. I was really just the connector and conduit and cross pollinator. I really just brought these solutions together with my team, um, and magic happened at the summit because um, some of these solutions got more funding and um, more connections that transcended this once-a-year summit. So now we have the summit coming up again in two months, uh, March 19th and 20th. And where's it going to be? In Sonoma, California. Um, and we're strategically mapping out where do we have activations other than Sonoma, so we're going to be in a local 
approach and really galvanizing solutions all around the world and indigenous communities as well. So empowering women and indigenous communities because these two communities are such a huge part of the solutions. Yeah, and, and, and as everyone knows from my podcast in Australia, I mean, you know, um, there's so much that we need to learn or, or, or kind of um, re-harvest, if you like, from our indigenous cultures about things like backburning and, and, and water management and land management and, you know, this understanding, I wish, I, I, you know, um, of, of the symbiosis of all of it, you know, that it's so fragile and we're part of the ecosystem. Yeah. yeah. So have, are you working with specific indigenous um, peoples and tribes? Yeah. So we supported a group um, called Amazon Frontlines and they're yeah. amazing. Um, it's this um, coalition of indigenous communities, the Chilo Alliance out of um, Ecuador. And um, so far they've been able to preserve um, over 7 million acres of rainforest from being illegally um, optioned to mining industry and fossil fuel industries. Um, and so this coalition of indigenous communities in Namonte herself, and Kimo is her name. She's a really amazing woman in the climate movement. Solutions movement preserving the Amazon and why the Amazon is so important to preserve the biosphere and many people forget that one ecosystem impacts the entire
each crisis seems very big yes. and it's like how you know how do I actually start you know people are very worried about what's going on but it's like how, how can I solve this how can I contribute you know, do you have some kind of advice for them about how they can get started sink our deep into Exactly by that, because I'd love to like like explore that a little bit. Because yeah. I mean, it's a term I think people have heard, but they'd love to know what what it actually means. Sure. Um, so regenerative agriculture is basically implementing um, cover crops um, that can help um, increase biodiversity of the soil, um, feed the mycelium, not tilling the soil, um, planting plants that are friendly for pollinators, um, in doing things um, that are friendly for earthworms that actually like aerate the soil and that oxygenation of the soil helps it become a more efficient machine for sucking up carbon from the atmosphere. Yeah, so our soil is a massive solution um, and if scaled globally could sequester up to a trillion tons of CO2 which would put us um, pre-industrial revolution of carbon in the atmosphere, uh, apart from related carbon in the atmosphere. Yes. So, um, there's an amazing organization called kisstheground.org and it's also a book called Kiss the Ground if you want to learn all about regenerative agriculture. I'd say read a book on it and Google it. Yeah. Also, Google's our friend. We can <laughs> yes. Google um, many things. Absolutely. Nowadays. And I, I, I'm going to actually recommend the two great films um, that I love as well on, or that cover this topic. One is 2040, oh, which is... Oh, 
Damon is awesome. Yes. I, I, he, he is a true pioneer, and I, I have so much respect and, and admiration for him. And the other one, I, I think, is The Biggest Little Farm, which is another amazing yes. film, of, you know, which covers the same topics. So if you're interested, read the books and, 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 and watch those films. And I think you'll find, you know, the vision of hope that we're talking about as well, that it's not all doom and gloom. And I think, you know, people are getting very frightened by all these statistics. And, and we can actually make a difference. And I can empathize with that fear. I've been there. And I'd say that was a huge motivator for me um, in starting Grounded. I was really afraid. And not to say I don't have my moments of not being afraid, because this is definitely a scary crisis that we face. But I truly believe that if we empower women and we come together as a global community and put more women in positions of power, because we're naturally nurturing and better stewards of the environment, um, that we can turn this around. We have 10 years to do it. It's a ticking time bomb, but we can do it. And I'm very deeply committed to doing that and committing to this for the rest of my life. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm so inspired for that. And, and you share a vision that I really share with you and, you know, that we can change the world. And it is in linking and lifting up and really, like, taking an active interest in these things and understanding them and, and getting involved in planting trees or reading the right things and educating ourselves about actually what's what's happening yeah. and then taking strides to do so and definitely listen to the summit's live stream but thank you for doing this thank you for thank having so this amazing having vision and uh, I wish you all, all the best and you know I'd love to come check in with you at the summit and see how that's going but you know yes I think the bottom line is together you know educated we you know us women <laughs> and girls we can we can really really with men <laughs> you, know, you know we need to take them with us on this journey but we can really make this difference for the world so let's do it guys let's do it let's get it done <laughs> thank you so much um, it's just been such a pleasure to interview I really appreciate it and everybody look up grounded.org thank you thank you bye bye